All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. And well, let's just stop there for a second. In the last days there will be difficult times. Let me tell you something. It is, uh, in the United States, we don't preach this a lot because it doesn't feel good. Because we want to enjoy ourselves, we want to have all of the good things of life, and we don't, we, we don't want to think about difficult times. As a matter of fact, there is a, there, there's a teaching out there that in the United States that we're just so blessed by God because of how we, have, how we were founded and how we love the Lord and everything uh, when we started, you know, George Washington and all uh, many Christian founders that we had. That's why we're blessed, and that's why uh, everything is great. But the Bible does not say that in the end times that we will uh, not suffer difficult times. As a matter of fact, it says the opposite. As a matter of fact, it says if you're a Christian, you'll be hated. You'll be hated. And it, it disappoints me when I see ministers out there that preach that, you know, you're always going to bless and everything's always going to be perfect. You know, that, that's a letdown because when things aren't perfect, then people start to blame God because the preacher told me that I'm blessed and highly favor the Lord and that nothing bad's going to happen to me. But instead, what we have to say is, is to ourselves, and I've told you this story many times already, I'm sure. But when, when the, the, the men over in, in um, where, I don't remember what country it was in, but when, when these Christians, when they were lined up, if you remember, I think it was back about 2013 or so, they were lined up in orange jumpsuits, and there was 10, 12 of these guys, and ISIS members stood behind them and cut their heads off. And then they asked the wives, you know, what do you want to say? What is your thoughts on this? And they said, we don't have any animus towards these people. We don't hate these people. We want them to find Jesus. We hope that they find Jesus. See, when we begin to understand that, yes, we're going to go through difficult times, but that's okay. Number one, the Bible says if we will persevere, we'll get stronger in that. We'll get stronger. Anybody ever work out or run or, or do something? You know, your body gets stronger. Well, spiritually, when we go through difficult times, we can get stronger if we trust in Jesus. And it can be very difficult, I understand, for all of us. You know, one thing we've got to be careful about is thinking that we're going through a more difficult time than the person next to us. You know, we don't know. Christy's talking about that young lady at youth camp. You go to youth camp, and, and, and many people, if I told you, oh, we're going to youth camp, and it's a church camp, and it's, it's spirit-filled, and we've got all these pastors and youth pastors and pastors' wives and, and just great people and prayer. And, you know, oh, it's just a bunch of Christian youth going. And what did Christy tell you a story about one that wasn't? And there were, pe- there were people that walked away from youth camp this week that still didn't have a relationship with Christ. You can't assume that everybody that you're in contact with in church is going through the same thing that you're going through. You know, we, we've, we've went for so many years that, well, why is this person going through depression? Instead, we take a negative approach to them instead of saying, you know, what have they went through? Where maybe they were abused as a child. Maybe they didn't have a mother or a father. Maybe they didn't have somebody. It, it, sometimes we just need to take a moment and say, hey, I don't know why. I don't know what they're going through, but what I know I can do is I can pray for them. Sometimes when we're going through a hard time, the best thing for us to do is pray for somebody else to start realizing that maybe our difficult time isn't nearly as difficult as we thought it was. You know, I, I think it's very interesting. You know, it, it correlates so much when we purchase something, right? Our human flesh says we purchase a car right? We go, oh, we love that car. And then about a year or two later, and boy, the car companies know this, don't they? About a year or two later, we go, hmm, man, I, I like that car right there. That 
car's a little bit newer. This car, already I've already put 30,000 miles on it. I've already put 50,000 miles on it. Oh, I don't know, man. I like that car. I think, I, you know, this the car that I got right here, oh, it's got a scratch here, and it's got a cut there, and, you know, and, 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 and it shakes a little bit when I drive. I, don't, it may, I had somebody tell me their vehicle, and I don't care. You, you spend your money on what you spend your money on, but I thought this was hilarious. Oh, I, yeah, we had to go get, trade my, my husband's truck in. It was about to turn over 100,000 miles. And I was like, well, what does that have to do with it? Oh, well, you know, over 100,000 miles, they start, the value just drops out of the ceiling, and, and then, you know, you start worrying about things breaking down, things start breaking down and everything, and I'm like going, no, the value dropped when you drove it off the lot, and now you're buying another one, and, and, and 100,000 miles in a truck, you're just breaking that thing in. My truck right now that I've got, i got 240,000 miles on it almost. I'm 2,000 miles away from that. I mean, it's a Chevy. That's just, Chevys are known for being great vehicles, so. Praise God. We're going to have glory fall down in this place this morning. I got an agreement. <laughs> Man, I tell you, but we need to put things into perspective. And so I'll give an example. I'm driving my wife's car the other day. And, it, and some of you know I, I Ubered for about a year right after we started the church trying to, you know, support my preaching habit. And uh, we, so I was Ubering, and so I was driving Christie's car. I bought Christie's car. We got a great deal on this Honda Pilot, you know, 2014 Honda. Great deal. But then I put a lot of miles on it in a year because I was Ubering. And uh, it was, you know, it was a means to an end that was going to end my, you know, a, a good vehicle if I would have continued it. Thank God he, uh, he got me out. He forced me out of it is what he did. That was, that was awesome. But I got to driving her car the other day, and I was like, Boy, I sure would like to get her a new, like a 2017 or 2018 all-wheel drive Honda Pilot, you know, and wouldn't have all these miles on it, you know. And then I got to thinking, I was like, wait a minute, when I bought this car, I says, we're going to keep it, because we do keep our cars a long time, but I, when I bought this car, I was like, man, we've got a great warranty on this thing. It's a Honda. It's not going to break down. We're going to put 250,000 or 300,000 miles on it. And here I'm at, at, at 90,000 miles going, man, you know, I sure would like to get it. I fall into the same thing, right? Because we look at it and go, oh, no, this is better. This is better. And, and it's, we, we do the same thing with, with difficult times. No, I'm going through a difficult time, and we don't see this over here. Because what, what we see, it, it's worse than this person over here, than what this person's dealing with over here. But we, but we need to understand. We need to understand we're going to go through difficult times. And when we begin to go through difficult times, we need to begin to praise. We need to get to praise one of the songs I listen to. You know, I'm going to praise all of my days. I'm going to lift your name up high. You know, what does it say? All of my days. It doesn't matter what day. doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm going to praise. I'm going to put my praise on because in my praise, I can make it through that difficult time. So understand we're going to go through difficult times. But then let's go on to this next part. There's difficult times. And he says, why is there going to be difficult times? See, when Jesus comes back and there's the millennial reign of Christ and then we all get to heaven after, and we're all in heaven for the rest of eternity, it's going to be fun. But right now we live in a fallen world. He says there's going to be difficult times because there's going to be people who will love only themselves and their money. What kind of society do we live in today? If it doesn't benefit me, it ain't good enough. And, and I'm, not, I'm not ragging on the millennials, okay? I'm not ragging on the Gen Zers, okay? 
But you know what we're running into? And Christy was at church camp this week. You know what you're running into is the millennials and the Gen Zers, they feel like, I am going to go to school. I'm not going to get a job. Or if I do, I'm going to go work somewhere where I enjoy it. You know, it's fun. And then I'm going to go get me a job coming out of school making sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand a year. Well, we all know that is a pie in the sky, right? <laughs> yeah, you got to work towards it. But what is it? We have taught parents, and I struggle with this. It's hard. Sometimes I just want to give, give, give to my kids. Because we, but we struggle with that, that, oh, no, my kids need this, my kids need that. And we, what are we doing? We're raising generations of young people up that are saying, no, I deserve this. And if you don't give it to me. So there's a young man, a friend of mine's brother, and he went, and, and his mom is a very successful businesswoman. She has a very successful uh, business, makes good, you know, brings in lots and lots of money, lives very nice. And, her, and sent her son to the University of Arkansas. It's very expensive to go to the University of Arkansas, extremely expensive. And sent, her to the, sent him to the University of Arkansas. He's 21 years old. Finally, his, it's summer this year. And his mom's like, you're going to go out and you're going to get a job. He goes, but I'm just, you know, I'm going to get my degree. and then I'm gonna take, No, you're not taking over my business. You have to learn how to work. She says, you're going to go out and get a job. Oh, well, uh, she says, no, I already got you a job working at this factory over here. So he goes in, and, and, you know, he's a college student, and he's expecting to work part-time, 21, you know, he's 21 years old, just part, work kind of part-time throughout the summer. And they're really at this, at this manufacturing plant, and they really need people. And uh, I, mean, I don't remember what they build, but, you know, he's making pretty decent money. I think he's making like 12, 13 bucks an hour. And for, you know, for starting out, that's not, to me, that's not too bad of money. You know, when I first, and this is his first real job, when I first started working, I was making four fifty, four twenty five an hour. That's what I was making when I first started working. Anyway, he's making twelve, thirteen an hour, and uh, he he uh, he lasted all of three days. Why? Why do you? So he he calls my friend. He is throwing a fit. They expect me to work more than eight hours a day. There's no way I'm going to work more than eight. They, they made me work 10 hours that day and 12 hours, and they expect me to be there at 6.30 in the morning. They don't let me off till 6.30 in the evening. He's like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, well, just go talk to them. Tell them that you didn't want to work 40 hours or 50 hours a week. Oh, they can't expect this out of me. I go to the U of A. I da, 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 da. And you think that's just one person? No, no. When I, used to manage, when I used to be a manager for Ally Bank, I had all kinds of people underneath me with great degrees who thought that I was blessed to have them on my team. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that now, okay? Because <laughs> I, I know how I work and I know how you work, and I don't see the blessings flowing right there, okay? But that's, that's what we're, we're raising up uh, generations of people who love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. We see that. In, in our political system, it's getting even worse. What have I told you? Just recently, within the last month and a half, two months, in New York, New York celebrated that they had approved for, for women to abort their babies all the way up until birth. And now you've got uh, in, in Illinois, they just passed a law in Illinois saying that partial birth abortion, any kind of abortion all the way up to birth is okay. And I won't 
go into all the abortion stuff and how sick and horrible that is. And I feel sorry for those who have went through it, the women who have went through it. I pray for them. And husbands, dads that have went through that, I pray for them because I believe they've been lied to and they don't know until after it's over with what the lie is about. But they scoff at God. Who cares about God? Major, major, uh, uh, major party just uh, three or four years ago at their, at their convention booed God. God was in their platform, and we reaffirmed that we have trust and faith in God, and they booed their people, booed that major party, major political party platform. We've got other people that are disobedient to parents. Have you ever walked in the store anymore, and kids tell their parents what they're going to get? No, you're getting, no, I'm going to, no, we're not going to get that. No, I want the Lucky Charms. No, they put it I saw a kid put it in his basket, and his mom just went ahead and bought it for him. She didn't want to fight with him over it. She wasn't disobedient to parents and ungrateful. We could go through that all day. I'm telling you what. You drive on the, on the highways of Arkansas, you can find some ungrateful people out there, okay? You let them in, and they're still mad at you because you didn't. I was driving, I'm telling you, I was driving down the road, and I was going over the speed limit, okay, like 75 and a 70, and somebody was behind me flipping me off because I wasn't going fast enough because I was in the way passing an 18-wheeler. Ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. We see that. Um, there was a, a, a memorial cross, and it was on government property, and the, the Supreme Court heard the, uh, heard the arguments, and this last week, they came back and they said, no, the cross can stay. It was a memorial cross. I think it's for World War, World War I veterans. If I remember correctly, it might have been World War II. But it said it could stay. But people are attacking everything that has anything to do with God in the United States. Now, notice he didn't say the United States here because I'm just talking about us. We can go around the world and see around the world where, where, uh, where aberrant lifestyles are being accepted everywhere. You had a country who, who abortion was illegal, period, and they just approved just a couple of years ago, year or two ago, they approved for abortion. Why? Because they don't care anymore. You know, in the scriptures it talks about during the Great Tribulation that there is these two witnesses, two witnesses during the Great Tribulation, and many people are saved, many Jews. There's 144,000 uh, Jewish converts, Jewish uh, Preachers, witnesses that come to Christ because of these guys. But they are killed, and they lay in the street, and they say, the, the Scripture says they have a party with their bodies in the street. And I thought, how sick. Surely not. And what do we see today? Nothing is sacred. I can't even hardly watch, put, turn a regular television on because of the commercials that my kids see. The things that are on the commercials today. Why? Because nothing is sacred anymore. We talked about that with dads last week. Dads aren't sacred. Nobody even respects the dads anymore. They're all just a bunch of bumbling fools, a bunch of bumbling idiots. They will be unloving and unforgiving. You're going to talk about unforgiving or not, huh? Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I know that's coming. <laughs> They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They don't know how to show love. They will not forgive. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll say whatever they want to say. 
and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. The Bible says in the last days that what is right will be wrong and what is wrong will be right, and we're seeing that today. And it's confusing me. I'm sorry, but it confuses me. This whole, this whole, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl, and I'm a, tra- I, I have it, I get so confused, I'm like, okay, which one are you? What, what am I supposed, I'm confused, because all I know is, biologically, you're one way or you're the other, but which one are you? I know you're confused, but I can't, even, you know, I can't even say that anymore, because right is wrong, and wrong is right, and if I say anything, then I'm the one that's in wrong. How can that be right? I'm confused. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They're puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. You want to know why the church in China is growing and the church in Asia is growing? They're saying that in the next few years that the church in Asia will outpace the church in America. We have 100 to 200 churches a week that are closing in the United States. 6,000 to 10,000 churches a year are closing their doors in the U.S. And in Asia, the church is growing. But the church is in persecution over there. And when I mean persecution, I mean getting killed, put into concentration, or they call them hard labor camps, things like that. They're getting killed over there. But you know what? What's happening? The word is growing. The word is sprouting into people's lives, and people are getting saved. Over here, it's pleasure, and we even question, should we go out because it's hot? I saw a church said, no church this morning because the electricity's out. And I thought, now, I don't know that I'd really want to be out in 95-degree weather having church. I personally don't want to, but does that mean I cancel church over it? Is that where we've gotten to, that we love pleasure more than we love God, that we can't even come to church because the electricity went out? When just 100 years ago, people didn't have electricity in church. They're lucky to have a church building that that didn't have a leak in the roof. Now get this. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. How many of you have been around people? Oh, I love God. The next word out of their mouth is a cuss word. Oh, I love God, but I can do this and and I, I, I can live this way. I'll love God. Oh, yeah, well, you know, you, you don't have to do that, do you? Well, but I want to. And I, it's just hard to stop. And God knows. See, that's the new thing in church. This high, It's called hyper grace. It's where everything is grace, right? I can do whatever. I can be a drunk and I'm fine. I heard a preacher say, no, it's your, it's your flesh that's drunk. Your soul isn't drunk. I'm like, are you an idiot? Because it, it sounds like you're an idiot to me. Uh, I, no, he was on the radio, so I, didn't, I couldn't tell him that. But, you know, that's what I'm thinking in my head. You know, this guy's an idiot. Your flesh is drunk, but your soul's not. This is stupid. But what have, we, what have we done? We said, you know, God no longer has the power to take a person who is drug addicted, bring him to the altar, and walk out and not be drug addicted. God doesn't no longer have the power for a person who is drunk to walk in drunk and walk out sober. Has it happened? Yes, it happens. Does it happen? It still happens. But we have people who are saying, I will go to church on Sunday, but I'm not going to see anything special. I'm just there for the great light show. I'm just there for the great music. I'm just there because the preacher has a a good, feel-good message. But does the power of God change it? Does he change anymore? No, he doesn't change anymore. Or maybe they don't even know that he ever did change. Like I say, when when we start 
when we start taking away from Scripture and we start saying, well, this, no, God doesn't do this anymore. He doesn't, before you know it, does he even save anymore? Does he even save anymore? People are religious. In the United States, we have so many religious people, but they have no form of godliness, and they, they reject the power of God in their life. And you want to, want to know why? Go back up to those verses we just read. Because they want to be disobedient. Because they want to live their way. They want to enjoy life. They want to do their own thing. They want to go drinking and clubbing on Friday night. Why? Because they, that's what is, their, their pleasure is. Their pleasure is not God. Our pleasure needs to be God. So, so he says that he's talking to Timothy. And I tell you, when we read the scriptures, there's a reason we have scriptures because it's written to us. Not just written to the people that it may say. So he's, but he's talking to Timothy here. And remember, Timothy's a young guy. He's not, he's not 80 years old. He's 30, 35 years old probably. He says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live. He says, you know, I'm Paul. You know how I teach. You know how I live. Can you say that to people around you? You know how I teach and how I live. So when I tell you don't do these things, and don't hang out with these people. That's the part I miss. He says, stay away from people like this, like that. When he said they reject the power of, thereof, he says, stay away from people like that. Which I think is really interesting is we have this teaching in the church today that we're supposed to hang out with those people, and that's how we get them saved. Let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with hanging out with Christians because people are going to see you grouped together, and they're going to see something different about you, and you're going to have an opportunity to let them know what's going on in your life and why, why this group is special. And when we hang out with Christians, you know what happens? We get filled up. Why? Because let me tell you something. Juanita, I'm hanging out with her. She fills me up. I, I, I'm hanging out with Robert. He fills me up. I'm hanging out with Sax. He fills me up. Every one of you, you start to fill me up. You need to get to hanging out with somebody who rejects the power of God and, and somebody who's living a battle. And you, that's who you're hanging out with. I'm not talking about witness to. I'm talking about hanging out with. All of a sudden, it's hard not to talk the way they talk. All of a sudden, that negativity starts getting inside of you, and you start going, oh, yeah, you know, life isn't nearly as good as I thought it was. Life, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know any better unless somebody tells you better. I grew up on a farm. We didn't have no money. I mean, we worked all the time. I didn't know that you could, until I got a job working for the state, working for the state park system, I didn't know you could sit around and make money. <laughs> I thought you had to work your rear end off to make money. And then I started working for them. I was like, this is, this is nice. I, I like this. I just drive around on a golf cart and pick up trash. I mean, you know, don't have to do anything special. I didn't know I didn't have any money until I started seeing other things. And then, oh, but now you've got to do this. Hey, we grew up, and anybody remember when we used to have movie stores where you went to the movie and you'd rent the movie, and we grew up, and we always rented the movies off the 50-cent shelf. I didn't know any better. So I, I was, I was uh, uh, gonna, we were going to watch a movie with, with a friend, and, and we go in, and, and I'm like, hey, let's watch this movie. Oh, I've already seen that one. Let's watch this one. No, I've already seen that one. Let's watch. I said, how do you see all these movies? They just came out. I said, that movie's been out three years. My mom never taught me that there was another shelf other than the 50-cent shelf to go get a movie off of. And I didn't know that there was other stuff. I didn't know there was something I could have right then. But then you learn. And see, when we hang out with people who are negative, then we start going, maybe there's some things I can be negative about. But when we hang out with people, with Christians 
who are positive say, man, I, I know that there's negative in the world, but man, God brings so much more. The power of God brings so much more to my life. Then we start to fill up. And here's what I say. Christians hang out together and start dragging your non-Christian friends and bringing them into what you're doing. And then guess what? They're going to hear you all talking about Jesus and loving on each other and realizing, you know what? Being a Christian is pretty cool. Being a Christian is pretty fun. You're not alone. See, there's this idea that if I want to live for the Lord, that I've got to, you know, I've got to go off and be a monk. That's not the truth. No, man, we can have fun. We can enjoy ourselves. So he says, don't, don't, uh, do not hang out with those people. Stay away from those kind of people. And he says, certainly, uh, you know what I teach, how I live, and what the purpose of life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in these areas. But the Lord rescued me from it all. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. What did I say? You're going to suffer persecution. There's different levels. So don't go around whining about it. Don't go around crying. You didn't see Paul going around crying about it. Oh, my goodness. They just stoned me. No. He went on the next place. He went on the next place. He said, I got, to, I got something I got to do. I got to go talk to somebody else. I got to go pray with somebody else. I got to go pray for somebody else's healing. You know, when we come into church and we sit here and we want to, we want to be filled up now, when we get filled up, let's go out and use what the power of God has done in our lives in church to minister to somebody else out there. You never know who you're going to run across that you just say, and I'm not saying you have to chase them down like Connie would, you know. Because Connie, Connie, she'll chase them down. She told the story. I had to tell her, have her tell the story next time. If she's here, I'd have her tell it. But she had a couple of girls in, in, over here at the park, and they was doing a prayer walk. And, and, and Connie's a little, little lady, so they weren't scared. Of it. If I would chase them down, they probably would have turned around and shot me. But, you know, but she chased them down. When I talk to them, hey, I just want to talk to you. you don't, it's not that you have to do that. If you want to, that's fine. But sometimes it's just the person at work that you're sitting talking, and they're going through something, and the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you. and starts to say, hey, listen. Listen to him. Listen to him a minute. Now, say this. And it's one, you may say something. Or you may say, you know what? Is there, is there something that you're going through that, that I could pray with you about? I feel like something's going, going on. You will never know who will open up and say, yeah, I am going through something. Or maybe it's, you know, I know, I know you don't have a whole lot of friends, family in this area. I'd like you to come to church with me on Sunday morning. I'd like you to come and meet some people Sunday morning that would love you and care about you. Because I can give you story after story how people's lives have been changed when they've just been given that opportunity to get close to people who love Jesus. He says, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They're just, there's going to be more and more. The world's going to get more and more wicked. That does not mean that we have not won. We have won. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated it on the cross. And when he raised himself from the grave, he defeated all of it. It's done. He said, it is finished. This fight is over. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers in the darkness. That's what we battle against. Because he takes it, though, we take it to him. He says, evil people will flourish Imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But he says in verse 14 through 17, 
You must remain faithful to the things that I've taught. You know they're true, and you know you could trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures, and they have been given you the, given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now, he says from childhood. You say, well, maybe you, maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you haven't been taught from childhood. That's okay. The Holy Spirit teaches you. The, the, the church, the things that you do at church, you get opportunities to teach you. The Scripture are there. God will work, and God will move in your life. Just talk to Sax. Sax didn't grow up in church, and here he is in church, serving God, worshiping God. Went back to Mexico just a few weeks ago and had, had to preach at his mom's church, you know. But he didn't grow up in church. You don't have to grow up in church to have God use you and to learn. You don't have to sit on the pew and say, I don't know anything because I didn't grow up in church. But when we know these scriptures and we get the wisdom from, from that and we receive salvation through trusting in Jesus Christ, we have to cling to that because he says all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Notice he says it tells us what's wrong in our lives. When we, if we think we're only reading scripture to get all the promises that God has given us, there's a lot of times there's a stipulation like we need to be living for him to receive these promises and what does it mean to live for him? Those things are there. He says God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. That's what the scripture is for. Now I've been tying through 2 Timothy here because remember this is Paul's last letter. He's going to die and he's given his last letter. So I've been tying Second uh, uh, Acts to 2 Timothy or Acts chapter 2 to 2 Timothy here. Because I believe in all of this, he's trying to tell us this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 43. All the believers devoted themselves to what? To the scriptures, the apostles' teaching. They didn't have the Bible like we have today. So the apostles' teaching, the scriptures, and to fellowship. That's what we do on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. That's what we do on Sunday nights. That's what we do uh, when we, like the 4th of July thing we have, wouldn't the women's thing. We devote ourselves to fellowshipping with each other to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. We went through that just a few weeks ago where we took the Lord's Supper in a different way. They did this. They get together. Remember what I said? You get together, spend time together talking about the Lord and to prayer. That's what we do on, on Sunday nights, and that's what you may do at other times. But they did this. But what, what do they do? All of them did this together. So when, we're, when he says, don't hang out with these people, don't be around these people, well, what were the church doing? They were hanging out with each other. The Bible says, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this in, you know, for the next week or two probably, and I've already said it. The Bible says that they were hanging out together, the Christians were, and the Bible says that they were being added to the church, those being saved on a daily basis. Notice, it did not say they were going out evangelizing. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the, that was not what they were doing. He says they were doing those four things. Remember, they were, they were all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. And the church was growing. See, in the United States, we get further and further and further away from these four truths. 30 years ago, it was nothing for us to all be together, to all come to church, to all want to be at each other's house, to go over after church on a Sunday night and have watermelon, you know, with each other or whatever you like to do. It was nothing. We wanted to be together. We wanted to pray together. We wanted to come together. And then we wonder, why is the church dying? 
mean, we've got growth. We've got all kinds of growth books out there. We've got all kinds of, of other things out there to say, oh, we do this and this and this and we'll grow. We may grow numerically, but are we growing spiritually like they were? That's the question. And so he says, because they were doing all these things together, not only was the church growing, but a deep sense of, of awe and wonder came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now it says the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, but remember what Jesus said. He said, if we believe that these things and greater that he had done, we will do. So it's for us too. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, our last scripture for this morning. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So we just talked about stay away. Let's don't be hanging out with these people. Let's hang out with Christians. Let's be around Christians. And in that, we're going to reach people for Christ. He says, let us think of ways to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. See, people, people read this next part, and they leave this part out. Sometimes they, or they read this part and leave the next part out. Now let's couple these two together. He says, and let us not neglect meeting together as some are doing, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. We should, be, we should get together more, not less. We should be around each other more, not less. Because how can you encourage each other? How can you motivate each other to acts of, acts of good works and, and, and good deeds if you're not of love and good, good works, if you're not around each other? How can you encourage each other if you're not around each other? So don't, don't neglect our meeting together. And the closer, the closer that it draws near, the harder it's going to get and the more we're going to need each other, okay? The more we're going to need each other because it's going to be difficult. He says there's going to be difficult times. We're going to need each other. Let's pray, can we? Lord, I just want to thank you for this service this morning. I thank you for who you are as God and our King and our Lord and our Master. Lord, I thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. I thank you that when we come together, Lord, that you are there and that you're with us. Lord, that you're there to move in our lives and, and Oh, God, we just enjoy the opportunity to worship you and to raise your name up on high and to glorify the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, today, Lord, I pray that we'll get this inside of our spirit, that we'll come together and we will say, no, we're going to defeat, we're going to defeat the works of Satan together as a group, as a solid group of believers that love you, that are encouraged, and that we that are protected by your spirit. And we'll understand that we're not battling against flesh and blood, Lord. Lord, the things that are going on as people are going astray and thinking of themselves, Lord. Lord, we don't need to get mad that they, that they want everything for themselves, that they want all the money and they want all the glory. But, Lord, instead we need to say, God, open their eyes up to see that there's a different way that they are being blinded and they're being deceived by the deceiver himself. There's a different way, God. Lord, open their eyes up. Let us be the catalyst for the Maumel community of Central Arkansas. Let us be the catalyst to see life change in people, see spiritual life change in them that turns them around, Lord. Lord, we don't want to be those that are looked at as spiritual but deny the power of God to radically transform a person as they walk through the doors of the church. Lord, but we want to be the church that says, yes, you can be radically transformed. Your, your mind can be renewed by the gospel of Jesus and by the power of God that is in him. That's what we want. 
So, Lord, as we go this week, Lord, I just pray, God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that we will just be so in touch and in tune with you, that we will listen to your word and we'll follow your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.